Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello. Welcome back, you beautiful freaking people, to another episode of FML Talk. I was so thrilled to have my mother here on last week's episode. It was wild getting to sit down and get her perspective on everything and hear her FML stories. Today, we are going to dive into what I know you guys are all wanting and waiting to hear, and that is the crazy drama that has been going on in my life the past month and a half with none other than my gem of an ex-husband who cannot seem to just disappear and let me live my life. So if you normally join me with a cocktail, I suggest you grab something a little bit stronger today because we are going to dive the fuck in. Welcome to FML Talk. Oh my god. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. Have you gotten a chapter 6 yet? <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. All right, everybody. I hope you guys are all ready for this episode. I hope I'm ready for this episode. I have been dealing with quite a whirlwind of drama the past month and a half. Um, I was pretty quiet about it, but if you keep up with me on Instagram, I did a post saying that Tay had been out of town for five weeks and finally came home. During those five weeks, I was in this utter state of debilitating anxiety, and I hesitated to open up and talk about it publicly because I knew my ex was going to eventually read it at some point. And I knew because of his egotistical narcissism, that was going to make him feel like he won and make him feel powerful. And for anyone that's listening or that follows me, I really felt a responsibility to open up and be real and vulnerable about the stuff that I had been dealing with because it's really important to understand that even in your most vulnerable moments when other people can make you feel weak or scared or not good enough, it's in those moments that the really fucking powerful growing happens and that can be absolute magic. So while I was at my house these past five weeks while Tay was out of town, I was dealing with all the Instagram hacking and bullshit, which we will get into later in this episode, but it really put me right back into that debilitating anxiety that I experienced when I was going through my divorce. And really what it did was it made me not feel safe in my own home. And that was a really new feeling for me. Look, there was 98% of me that knew I was totally fine and I was here with the dogs and I was pretty safe. But there was a 2% that was like, well, I really wouldn't put it past him to send someone to come scare me. I wouldn't put it past him for something beyond the Instagram hacking to take place. And that thought alone really kept me in this 
horrible state of panic. Um, I was not able to eat normally. I was like having trouble sleeping. It was really taking a huge effect on my mental health. And I didn't know if I wanted to open up about all of this because, again, I knew it was going to feed into him and he was going to be like, oh, yeah, I made her feel that way. And um, kind of like he would feel like he was teaching me a lesson, if you will. And I learned so much during these past five and a half weeks that it really did light a fire under my ass and made me remember who the fuck I am. And I think that's one thing that narcissists do unintentionally is when they fuck with someone who is strong and who isn't going to allow them to manipulate them and deal with their bullshit, it totally backfires. And that's exactly what happened during this entire situation. So this episode, you guys, I'm going to take you back, way back, into all the red flags that I fucking blindly missed in my relationship with my ex-husband. And I'm going to explain to you how to spot a narcissist, what they look like, what you may be dealing with without even realizing it, and how you can get out of that situation, how you can grow from that situation, and what the fuck to do moving forward from it. And of course, I'm going to tell you guys all the dirty details about what has gone down in those past five weeks. Before we get into the recent events that made my books page and my podcast page Instagram be disabled, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of backstory on not only how to identify a narcissist, but how it is when you're dealing with one. I didn't realize in my marriage that I was dealing with a narcissist, and Looking back on it now, besides seeing all the giant red fucking flags flying in front of my face, I can also see how I was being manipulated in a lot of ways and how this was seriously affecting not only me as a human, but our marriage. Obviously, I didn't see this happening when I was in it, but that's usually how narcissists work. You don't understand that you're being manipulated when you're in the situation itself, and that's why they're so fucking dangerous. So let's start with what the definition of a narcissist is, first and foremost. A person who has an excessive interest or admiration in themselves. So if you're thinking, oh, that's exactly what I read in your book about Daniel, you would be correct. But the way that narcissists usually manipulate people in their lives is gaslighting. Gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation where a person covertly plants seeds of doubt in you, and it makes you start to question yourself, your beliefs, and ultimately, it makes you believe in whatever the person wants you to believe or act the way that they want you to act. So let me take you back to the very beginning when I met Daniel. So I was at a club with Jess and another one of our friends, and we were hanging out, dancing, having a good time, and this guy kept going from his table with all of his friends up to the bar, getting a bunch of drinks and free shots and going back. And I remember being like, who is this guy and why does he keep getting all these free drinks? We made eye contact a couple times, but he never came over to say anything to us. And eventually, one of his friends that was also at his table came and got me and Jess and our other friend and brought us over to where their table was and offered us some drinks. I ended up standing right next to Daniel, and he looked over at me and said, hey, uh, don't think this is weird, but is your name Gabrielle? And I was like, 
yeah, you fucking stalker. And it's like, how do you know my name? And he ended up telling me that he was in a night school class that I took, which was like maybe two and a half months total. And I was in that class with Jake, my high school sweetheart who passed away. And I I must have gone to that class in sweats and a messy bun, not giving two shits about what I looked like because I was so goo-goo in love with my boyfriend at the time. And Daniel apparently had been in that class, noticed me, and always thought that I was really pretty. So he tells me all this standing in the middle of a nightclub, and then he proceeds to say, I remember when Jake passed, you posted this really long, beautiful letter to him on your Facebook, and I screenshotted that and saved it because it really spoke to me. So it probably sounds weird now saying it, but at the time I was like, oh, that's that's really touching that that my words spoke to you like that and it sparked this conversation. And anyways, by the end of the night, he had given me his number and I woke up the next morning with a request on Facebook, a follow on Instagram and two, two DMs. I know what you guys are all thinking, giant red fucking flags flying in front of my face before I even started dating this person. I know, I'm aware. So fast forward eight months and Daniel had proposed, we were engaged. I'm aware that's super quick, which is why we had a long two-year engagement. But Daniel had met me as an actress. I have always said that it's not easy to see your significant other have to kiss someone or be intimate with someone on camera. It's very difficult and it's not normal. However, it is acting. It is pretend. And for those of you that have not been on a film set, it is the most unsexy, unromantic thing you will ever experience. It usually involves a bunch of people staring at you, hot lights that are making you sweat, and a director saying, can you guys just like, you know, turn your head to the left a little, arch your back so your butt comes out, and then like twist your body in a really uncomfortable position and keep making out. It's never the romantic thing that ends up on screen that you guys see. I was going off to do this huge film that I had booked. It was one of the biggest breaks I had gotten in my career, and I was working with other named celebrities, and I was getting paid more than I had ever made on a film set before. And it was a really, really big deal for me. I was so fucking excited, and it was was just – I felt like my dreams were really starting to manifest in my life. So I flew out to go shoot this film, and from the very first day, Daniel was calling me, arguing with me, starting fights, telling me that he was uncomfortable, wanting to know exactly where I was, didn't like if I went out to dinner with any of the cast or crew. It was just a problem from the first day. The number one thing that was upsetting him on this specific shoot was that I had a makeout scene. And this person that I had to do a makeout scene with was not Channing Tatum. In fact, Daniel didn't even think that he was straight. So that first night that I had gotten to this film set, I was at dinner with everyone having a really good time getting to know everyone. And Daniel called me. He proceeded to start a full-on argument with me telling me that he didn't want me to have to kiss someone because, and I quote, he probably had had another dude's dick in his mouth. So let me pause and allow that ridiculous statement to sink in for a second. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, 
no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son. And for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. And I remember standing there in shock and saying, well, so it's kind of like he's going to have to kiss me with your dick in my mouth. Like it was just the most ridiculous statement I had ever heard. It blew my mind that someone would use someone's not even confirmed sexuality to belittle them, but also to make it a reason as to why I was doing something wrong when I was there to do my job. It's stuff like this that was manipulative and those phone calls happened every single night that I was on that set. He was so deeply upset for me kissing someone for work and he ended up having multiple extramarital affairs. That, my friends, is fucking gaslighting. So this happened in almost every shoot I went on when Daniel and I were together. There was one film I did where he even flew to set and insisted on being on set the day that I did a kissing scene. And I will never forget how awkward and uncomfortable I felt. I can't even imagine how my poor co-star felt. And at the end of it, he stormed off and ended up causing this big scene on set in front of my director. And I remember my director pulling me aside afterwards and asking if I was okay because she could see how uncomfortable I was. And it really started to affect my work as a professional actress on set. Because of all this, we obviously went to therapy. And I remember specifically one time we were in our therapist's office and he said, well, if it was some big movie where she was making out with Adam Sandler, it would be totally fine and I wouldn't have a problem with it. It's just because these are like stupid low budget indies that she's doing. So (laughs) for anyone that's listening that's in the industry, I know you're rolling your eyes right now and like cackling out loud with disgust because the films that I was able to do in that year, people in LA would give their left arm and go do for free to have that kind of opportunity. So for him to diminish the accomplishments that I was making in a really cutthroat industry was fucking insane. And this is one of the things that narcissists are so good at is that when you start to succeed and start to do things that are fulfilling yourself and making you happy, they start to find reasons to tear you down and make you feel like it's not good enough. And for the record, on that film, I shot five days and made more money than he had in the last three months. Speaking of money, (laughs) uh, Daniel and I had always both contributed to our rent bills. Um, We had split rent. I had always shared, you know, the utility bills. I had paid for obviously like my car payments and my, my things. 
And it was about six months into our marriage where I remember us having a disagreement about something and he said to me, you know, if you want to give up acting and stay at home and, you know, you can like go to lunch with your girlfriends and live your life and do your thing, I will pay for everything. But if you want to keep working and you want to keep acting, then you have to continue paying half of of the bills. And I remember in that moment thinking, oh my God, I'm with someone who wants me to not only give up on my dreams and passion, but wants me to just be his fucking trophy wife at home. And it was one of the most manipulative things I think I've ever in my 31 years heard someone say to me. Needless to say, I kept working and kept paying. But again, this was his way of seeing me succeed and needing to do something to pull me back from reaching a place of fulfillment. So once I gave Daniel the divorce papers and left the house, which you all read about in Eat, Pray, FML, it was brought to my attention from one of the players on his team that Laurel was not only in Ohio for their tournament, but she was brought around all the parents, all the players, and all the people that were at my wedding. So because of this, I sent an email to roughly 10 people. And keep in mind, these were people I went on double dates with and had spent countless hours with, and I really considered them to be a part of my life and friends and family. And the email simply said, you know, thank you for the past five years of support and friendship. Daniel had an affair and we're getting a divorce. Please keep your kids safe. It was very mild. It was very well written. And it was an appropriate email to send to people that I had known for the past five years. Once he found out about this email, he took it upon himself to text a bunch of my friends and couples that I had introduced him to, basically saying that I wasn't telling everyone the real reason why our relationship ended. And although he shouldn't have cheated, that he felt like he couldn't leave me because my dad passed away and my high school sweetheart passed away and that he felt like he wasn't allowed to leave. How any of that makes any sense is beyond me, but my friends had a good laugh at the text, and I was even with two of them as they received it, and my girl Alex (laughs) walked directly over to her fridge where our wedding picture was and sharpied out his face. Again, this is gaslighting 101, making someone feel like it's their fault and that they're crazy for thinking it in the first place. So the point of me telling you all of these crazy stories that I experienced with my ex-husband is to show you how a narcissist can come in and really uproot your entire life. And there's steps and phases when this happens, and I'm going to show you exactly how it happened with me. So step one is they come in and make you feel like the most incredible person in the world and totally put you on this pedestal and make you feel like there's nothing better than being with them. And Daniel really did that. He showered me with gifts and love, and it was always like extravagant. He proposed to me with this beautiful ring after eight months under a fucking waterfall in Maui. It was really like living in a fairy tale. Step two is they start to gaslight and manipulate you into thinking that you're nothing without them. So those are all of the examples in the stories that I just showed you, how they can come in and tear you down and make you feel like you don't deserve what you're working for, how they can make it seem like what you're working for means nothing, and that you wouldn't really be succeeding without them. 
Step three is they start to pull you away from your support system and start to manipulate the people around you so that you feel like you don't have anywhere to go. Ergo, that brings us to the fucking shitstorm that is currently going on with my social media accounts. It all started a few weeks ago when I got a DM at 2 a.m. from Daniel. I had no idea why this resurgence was happening at the moment. I later found out that it was because the commercial for the book that we released on September 4th that you all saw has someone that is in their inner circle in it. The hairstylist that is doing Tori Spelling's hair in the spot happens to be the hairstylist that does Laurel's hair. Now, by happenstance, not only Tori Spelling, but her hairstylist had read Eat, Pray, FML and loved it and were totally happy to do the commercial. The coincidence that she happens to do Daniel's girlfriend's hair is sheer fate and makes way too much sense in my life. So when Daniel and Laurel saw this, it obviously struck a chord, <laughs> leading to the 2 a.m. message from Daniel. To summarize this interesting DM that I received uh, from my ex-husband, it was basically saying, I'm really starting to creep him out. Why do I keep talking about all of this that our relationship ended four years ago, which I found insanely funny because it was, in fact, three years ago that this all happened. He was probably having sex with someone for four of those years, but it was three. He went on to say that relationships end all the time and why am I so hung up on him and the situation and that it was so sad how lost and helpless I was that I had nothing going for me that I felt the need to write a book about it and, quote, try to be famous. Which, watching the trajectory of how my ex-husband's life has gone since we split is so ironic that, uh, that he would think I was the one <laughs> trying to, uh, to chase the fame, if you will. Funny, because the last time I checked, I spend my time making funny videos that go viral based off of a best-selling book that continues to sell a ton of books a week, and it's now helping women all over the world heal and take their power back. A book that is most definitely not about you, yet you spend time and actual money to illegally take down part of my business. And the last part of the message said that I've failed to tell everyone about my issues and why the relationship really ended. So, <laughs> first of all, darling, my issues are all clearly written out and divulged in 281 pages of a book. Secondly, there have been numerous times that I have spoken about the real issue that he is referring to. So just to clear it up, I will now discuss it again. Daniel's biggest issue was that we were not having sex. Let me clarify that. We were having sex two to three times a week while I was on set shooting, working out, being fucking busy in my normal life. We were having sex. 
but we weren't having sex the way he wanted to have sex. And the way Daniel wanted to have sex was two times a day, Fifty Shades of Grey style. And I don't fucking care if you're Brad fucking Pitt in his prime. I'm not going to want to have sex twice a day with all the Fifty Shades elements going on. So let it be known officially on the record of FML talk that no, I did not want to have sex with my ex-husband twice a day, every day. I take responsibility for that. I own that. And you damn sure weren't good enough to make me want to change that. A few days after I got this lovely DM on Instagram, my Eat, Pray, FML books Instagram was suddenly disabled. Like, poof, gone, can't get into it, can't find it, gone. A few days after that, the podcast page for FML Talk on Instagram, poof, gone, completely nowhere to be found. So I, I knew it was him right off the bat, but obviously I needed proof that it was him. This is where my darling ex-husband misstepped because for some reason, even after the divorce and after I had all of the proof of everything that he did, he still seems to underestimate me. The first little breadcrumb, which was just tauntingly ridiculous at this point, was someone sent me a screenshot from what he posted on his story that literally read, hey, social media is awesome. You know what's even better? Having power on social media. So it was a direct message at me, clearly stating that he had done that. Following that, I received information from someone who, of course, will remain anonymous to protect everybody in this situation. That was a direct statement from someone very close to him on his team that completely incriminated themselves. And when I say incriminate, I mean stupid enough to literally step-by-step explain how this happened and what they did to make it happen. Let me point out the fact that he paid a decent amount of money per account to have each of them shut down. And not only did I now have this proof from someone that was on his inside circle, I was also able to talk to my person who was helping me on all this, and they were able to trace the IP address to know who he paid to do it. That alone was enough to give to my attorney to send a cease and desist to my ex-husband. So if you're wondering why this is illegal, um, because I know everyone's going, okay, well, that's an awful fucking thing to do and what a douchebag, but how is that illegal? My source of income and my business is based off of my book. So, and the podcast is an extension of that. So to take down the two places where those are run is not only fucking with my business, but is copyright infringement because I own the book and it's copywritten, but it's also messing with my livelihood and damages that are incurring because of that. What's so crazy to me is that I always assumed if I heard from my ex-husband, it would be either in court if he chose to go that route or talking shit about me on social media. I never thought he would choose to stoop as low as doing something illegal 
and paying to do something illegal. But even more so, I never thought he'd be stupid enough to think that I wouldn't find out and know that it was him and be able to prove it. I've said time and time again on countless interviews that I had nothing against my ex-husband. I simply had to write my story and my truth. Any of you that have read Eat, Pray, FML know that that book is damn well not about Daniel. I actually didn't even want to detail the divorce chapters at first. And then one of my girlfriends was like, no, Gabrielle, you have to write about that shit. It's like a fucking episode of CSI. So I did. um, And I'm glad that I did. But this book is not about Daniel. It's not about Daniel. It's not about Javier. It's not about any of the men that have crossed through my life. They are simply characters in my story at this point. And there is a reason why I've never named Daniel or named Javier, because it's not important. This book is about my journey to self-love and the obstacles that I faced and overcame that allowed me to help heal myself and my experiences that I went through. And really, in turn, how I overcame the shit out of a fucking narcissist. So I urge you guys to take a step back from the relationships going on in your life and really look at those three steps and see if there's any of that going on in your life because I can promise you their egos will keep them coming back and popping their fucking heads in and disabling your fucking Instagrams until you fully and completely cut them off. So join me in picking out the narcissists in your life and turning them into characters in your own story. I am sure we will keep you guys posted on this ridiculous situation as it continues to unravel. Now I want to get into some of your FML stories that you submitted. The amount I got was shocking. So I know a bunch of you guys listening either have dealt with a narcissist in the past. Um, Some of you may be dealing with one now and this episode might open your eyes to some things that aren't super great that you may be dealing with, Um, but they're, they're intense. Here we go. Hey, Gabrielle, here's a fun story for you. So I'm at a bar one Saturday night in Philly with my ex-boyfriend and his brother and his brother's girlfriend. And the four of us are sitting at a booth. Uh, It was pretty crowded. And my boyfriend and his brother discussing politics. Well, I should be clear, my boyfriend was talking at his brother about politics. And it was going on for a while, and I just began to to be uh, to feel really irritated. Um, I had listened to him speaking to his brother in that same belittling, condescending, nasty tone that he had spoken to me with for a long time, and I was just sick of it. So I turned to his brother, and I was like, "Dude, don't even, don't even waste your time. You know, he always has to be right." And as soon as I said that. <laughs> My ex-boyfriend turned to me with a full beer and dumped it over my head. And I reacted by slapping him across the face. And this female bartender comes rushing over and I'm like, shit, she's going to kick me out. She saw me hit him. She rushes over and she's like, dude, you don't ever pour a fucking drink on a woman's head. Get out of my bar. So it was a pretty eventful night, but for every narcissist 
ex-boyfriend, there is usually an even more badass chick waiting to help you out. I can't even begin to put myself in a situation if I was in a bar and the person that I was with in a relationship with dumped a fucking beer on me. Besides the fact that it that's the most disrespectful thing that you can ever do to anyone, much less the person that you're in a relationship and saying that you care about and love. Oh, girl. I mean, and more power to the waitress for being on your side because that slap was well fucking deserved. Hey, guys, my name's Elise, and here's my FML story in a nutshell. My ex-husband and I were dating for two years. I supported him for three months while he was starting a business of his quote-unquote dreams with some of his friends. He started the business. I found out he was cheating with an ex-girlfriend. We break up. I kick him out of my house. We get back together in November. Find out I'm pregnant in December. We get engaged in January. I lose the baby at three months in February. He told me that I need to stop crying because it wasn't that big of a deal. We end up getting married in March, go on our honeymoon. While on our honeymoon, he decides that he's going to start a new job at another company and he is going to leave the business that he started. He leaves that business, starts this business. Three months into our marriage, I find out that he's having an affair at work with a hoe worker, who I now call Mrs. Potato Head, and sending provocative pictures to other women on social media, Snapchat, Facebook, you name it, he used it. Um, two months after that, I find out that his hoe worker is now three months pregnant, got pregnant while we were married. How awesome is that? And uh, yeah, she goes and has the baby a week after our divorce was finalized. In the meantime, he is still calling me. He actually called me from the hospital to tell me that she had the baby, and the entire time he was wishing it was me. He continued to call me and show up at my house for a year and a half after that. He just recently stopped calling about eh, maybe three weeks ago, a month ago. Uh, that was when he found out that I was seeing someone else and starting to date again. And uh, yeah, just two weeks ago, he got engaged to Mrs. Potato Head. Which makes me laugh out loud because she's delusional as well, I guess, as I was too. Um, but in the meantime, when all this was going on, I actually started three very successful businesses. And um, I'm starting to live my best life again. So yeah, there's my FML story. Hope you enjoyed. Bye. Oh, Elise. My girl, let me just first say you dodged a fucking massive bullet with this guy. I think... I myself and all of us need to adopt the word ho-worker into our vocabulary. <laughs> and um, I love that you nicknamed her Mr. Potato Head. Um, for everyone that's listening, if a man ever tells you to get over it and stop crying because it's not a big deal, regardless about what it is, much less if it's about a miscarriage, um, that's when you tell them to just fuck right off. Um, I can't even imagine being in that type of state and dealing with that type of grief and loss and having someone tell me to stop crying and get over it. Um, my heart goes out to you, girl, and I'm so glad that you are now living your best freaking life. Well-deserved. I just want to take a second to really thank all of you guys. I have received so much love and support on my Instagram and you know through DMs and stuff. Just really supporting me through all of this crazy hacking experience and uh, dealing with the resurgence of my ex-husband. And I'm really, really grateful to have such incredible readers and listeners that care about me as a human and not just an author of a book that you guys loved. 
All right, let's jump in to some questions. There were a fucking lot, and I had to go through and carefully pick out which ones we were going to answer. Um, apparently, way too many of us deal with narcissists, you guys. So here we go. This first question is from Jessica Anderson, 16. And it says, my ex told me how I should dress, use makeup, how I should get my nails done. Is this normal? No. Big, fat, fucking no. Um, My ex-husband used to tell me, you know, don't wear sports bras at the gym. It's slutty. And, you know, make sure that you cover up in this way and would really have way too big of an opinion about how I looked and my physical appearance and what he thought was okay. Um, and it's, it, it's such a sign of a narcissist because they feel that need to control you and manipulate you and have a hold on how you look. Um, so this is a big red flag, you guys. The healthy relationships I have been in, I have only felt supported and free, and I don't think Tay has ever, ever told me what he thinks I should or shouldn't wear, or definitely not how I should make my physical appearance as far as like my hair, makeup, nails. Um, If I ask, he's of course going to give me an opinion, but that's never something that your partner should dictate. So I'm going to kind of combine these next two questions. Um, one was for Lalor.RachelLynn, and one was from Kaylee Nicole. And they're kind of similar. One is how the hell to quit the addiction to the narcissist when you know it's the right thing, but you just can't. And the other question is how to go about building your confidence and your self-esteem back after dating a narcissist. So unfortunately, the only way that you can really identify and quit a relationship that has narcissistic tendencies or when you're stuck in one with a narcissist is really by recognizing it yourself and deciding to choose yourself. Um, Because there's always going to be people around you saying like, what are you doing? Why can't you see this? This is not healthy for you. But until you see that and you decide to choose you, you're not going to be able to just walk away. And unfortunately, sometimes that takes learning the lessons the hard way and it takes time. But once you are able to finally recognize that yourself and you decide to choose yourself and walk away, then the second part of this question comes up, which is how do you build your confidence back up when they've torn you down so much? And my biggest recommendation for this, guys, is doing your fucking self-love cocktail. Because when you're giving yourself the things that you love and the things that you deserve and the things that make you happy, that's going to build up your confidence, your self-love, your self-appreciation, how you interact with other people on a day-to-day basis, how you feel inside. It's really the root of everything. We had so many of these questions come in, you guys, so I know a lot of people are dealing with or have dealt with narcissists and it really does affect you to the core. So I hope this episode has given you some insight and some red flags to look for and some coping mechanisms on how you can address it when you're stuck in something like that. And next week, (laughs) um, I am bringing on a guest that I never thought I would cross paths with, but both of us happen to have been 
fucked over by not only Daniel, but one of his friends. And uh, her story is insane. She dishes on her relationship that you might have seen on reality television. And she happens to be an ex-acquaintance of Daniel. I promise you guys, it's going to be a juicy freaking episode. Until then, if you guys haven't gotten your merch yet, make sure you check it out on the website, eatprayfml.com. That's also where you can get all of your signed copies and goodies. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a star rating and review if you're having fun with us each week. And I will see you next Wednesday as the saga continues. Trust me, you don't want to miss this one. Welcome to As a Woman fertility hormones, and beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.